0: Hi, uh, I'm Enrico Orsini, um, Education Lead at the EHA, and we are here today to speak about iron metabolism uh, with Laura Silvestre. Laura, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm a senior scientist at Savaffaele Scientific Institute in the Lab of Regulation of Iron Metabolism and uh, I've been working uh, to uh, the basic mechanism that regulates iron, which is the main hormone that regulate iron homeostasis since 2005. And I'm interested in particular in the crosstalk between uh, liver function in, uh, in uh, related to the regulation of iron homeostasis and erythropoiesis function. Very well, so we start from the basis.
0: Yes. So do you want to illustrate us Very quickly, what is the role of iron
1: in the body and in erythropoiesis? Sure, sure. So iron is an essential element since it participates to many biological processes, to heme production, to mitochondrial function, DNA replication, oxygen transport, and many others. So for this reason, it is essential, but it's a very reactive molecule That means that if you accumulate iron in uh, in the cell, in the body, in the organs, uh, this iron can be toxic. It can uh, trigger reactive oxygen species, and in some pathological conditions, uh, this can lead to organ failure. So this is the reason why iron concentration in the body should be tightly controlled, also because we don't have any active mechanism of iron excretion.
0: And this comes to the second question, that is, I guess if this is the situation there will be very strict mechanisms that regulate iron homeostasis in terms of uptake storage utilization and export can exactly. you give
1: an overview of billa sure. sure so iron is absorbed by duodenal enterocytes and uh, uh, f- thanks to this cells, we absorb dietary iron at uh, a rate of about 1 to milligram per day and uh, these enterocytes are crucial and they express uh, a, a iron uh, exporter named ferroportin. So, thanks to ferroportin, iron enters in the circulation. And as I said before, since iron is toxic, uh, uh, iron should be tightly bound to transferrin. That is a glycoprotein that safely transports and delivers iron to all the organs and tissues. So most of the circulating iron is uh, utilized by uh, erythropoiesis for hemoglobin production and RBC's uh, uh, production. And indeed, uh, we need about 25 milligram of iron per day to maintain uh, the basal rate of RBC's production, meaning that uh, we, uh, iron should be uh, recycled because we absorb only one, two milligram per day. And the recycling of, uh, of iron occurs through endothelial macrophages that degrades senescent RBCs, uh, degrades hemoglobin and release iron back to the circulation. We do not have any active mechanism of iron excretion. So the concentration inside the body should be tightly controlled. And the organ that plays this crucial role is the liver. And the liver indeed produces a hormone named epsidin that binds and blocks ferroportin. In this way, epsidin reduces uh, the amount of iron that enters into the bloodstream by decreasing dietary iron absorption and decreasing the release of iron from uh, uh, reticuloendothelial macrophages. So if you understand
0: well, there is a balance between the level of iron in the organism and the level of
1: epsidine? Exactly, exactly. So when iron goes up, then epsidin should be upregulated in order to block ferroportin and reduce the amount of iron that enters in the circulation. And the opposite occurs when body iron concentration is reduced, as in the case, for example, of iron deficiency or iron deficiency anemia. In this case, episodic should be suppressed uh, in order to stabilize ferroportin and favors the uh, entry of iron into the bloodstream. So if the in
0: ferroportin axis is the main the central regulator, I guess there must be some mechanism that regulates... Uh they modulate Epcidin ups, levels.
1: Exactly, exactly. Thanks to uh, the um, I mean the study that have been done in the last 20 years, uh, more or less, uh, the mechanism that regulate Epcidin in the liver and in particular in hepatocytes have been clarified. So epsidin is regulated through a pathway that is named BMP-SMAD pathway uh, the, the regulation of this pathway I- is mediated by several proteins. I don't want to go too much into detail, but uh, for example, when iron concentration in the, in the blood or iron concentration in the liver increases, then epsidine is upregulated through a mechanism that activates this uh, signaling pathway. The opposite occurs in the case of iron deficiency, when epsidin should be suppressed. And again, also in this case, we have a very important protease named Matriptase-2 or TEMPER-6 that down-regulates the pathway in order to stabilize feroportin uh, uh, on the cell surface. And there is a
0: role in all this also from in- inflammatory cytokines like IL-6? I'm thinking because I'm thinking about the possible links with inflammatory states. Exactly, and
1: Exactly, exactly. So, epsidine is considered an acute phase protein that is upregulated by, pro, as you said, by pro-inflammatory cytokines, such as uh, IL-6, but also IL-1-beta, although IL-6 is the main cytokine, And it plays a crucial role uh, in, uh, as you said, in, uh, in uh, um, uh, anemia of inflammation or anemia of chronic disease, because in this condition, upsiding is regulated not by the bmp by signaling, but by the STAT-3 signaling pathway that is uh, activated by pro-inflammatory cytokines. And it's... Uh, a sort of defense mechanism that the, the organisms activate in order to restrict iron uh, to uh, pathogens. So uh, the problem is that uh, the same mechanism uh, that is uh, used, uh, that is activated in uh, conditions of infection is also uh, conserved in, ca- in the case of uh, inflammation or chronic inflammation. So they share the same mechanism that is the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. And this can be, of course, deleterious, because when you have a high level of epsilon, you restrict iron. So you don't have enough iron to sustain erythropoiesis and RBC production, and then you develop anemia or anemia of inflammation in this case. And this is a, a clear example go, going
0: to the pathology from the physiology, how uh, 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 this regulated pathway can have a role in the pathogenesis of uh, disease. There are others. Uh, there are other diseases where the, um, how to say, the deregulation of the epsidine ferroparting axis can, be, can have a role.
1: Sure. For example, in, uh, in hereditary hemochromatosis, we know that uh, mutations in key players uh, in the regulation of the BMP's matter signaling and epsidine production uh, impair the ability of the liver to produce enough, enough epsidine, meaning that you develop iron overload because of uh, ferroportin stabilization on the cell surface. And this is, uh, this caused the so called primary iron overload. But there are other conditions. Uh, in which uh, epsidine is chronically inhibited because of expanded and ineffective erythropoiesis and this is the case for example of the so-called iron loading anemias such as beta thalassemia sickle cell disease and in some cases also uh, the congenital sideroblastic anemia in this case uh, the expanded erythropoiesis uh, Mm, inhibits uh, epsidin by releasing uh, a protein an inhibitor that acts on the BMPs mad signaling. And I think this is crucial because underlines uh, um, underline the importance of the crosstalk between uh, two organs, uh, the liver and uh, uh, the erythropoietic uh, organs and the erythropoietic tissues uh, in the bone marrow or in the spleen in the case of ineffective erythropoiesis. So the crosstalk between these two organs uh, It is beneficial, of course, in stress condition and physiological condition, but can be also deleterious in the case, for example, of ineffective erythropoiesis.
0: And going a step forward through the possible uh, therapeutic application of all this, there are this this deeper understanding of the basic mechanisms involved in the regulation of iron and epsidy, can
1: help us to identify new Therapeutic Absolutely. target for these disorders? This is crucial. I think that uh, the, um, the basic research uh, uh, that have been done on epsidin and the mechanism of epsidin regulation and the regulation of the epsidin ferroportinaxis axis uh, uh, really uh, help to identify the new therapeutic targets for this kind of disease. For I can I uh, if I can make an example. example. Yes, Yes, sure. For example, there is a genetic disease named a very rare genetic disease named iron refractory iron deficiency anemia, uh, in which the patients develop a iron deficiency anemia that is refractory to oral iron administration because epsilon levels are inappropriately high. So the patients, even if you uh, gave uh, uh, oral iron administration to this patient, the patients are unable to absorb iron because ferroportin is uh, constitutively blocked. Uh, the gene mutated in this disease is a temper six of matriptase two. That is a crucial inhibitor of the BMP signaling. So thanks to the study of this genetic disease, uh, uh, several uh, uh, researchers and scientists uh, identified a potential therapeutic approach to, for example, hereditary hemochromatosis or beta thalassemia that targets specifically temper 6 So the first line of research demonstrated that in preclinical uh, studies, so in mouse models, if you inactivate temper 6 in the context of hereditary hemochromatosis or beta thalassemia, you strongly improve the phenotype. Now, there are antisense oligonucleotides against the temper six that are in clinical trials that uh, there are uh, siRNAs that are in clinical trials uh, there are some companies that are uh, uh, developing antibodies against temper six because the, the scientists recognize the importance of these uh, protease in the regulation of the pseudin. so this this is very important because it uh, i mean it, it it's very um I mean, it, it really uh, posed the basis uh, for the uh, developing uh, uh, of new therapeutic approaches starting from basic science. That is crucial, I would say. And from, let's say, someone that is not really
0: so inside the, the topic, the first idea would be how we, can we be able to directly um, work on upcycling? But I mean, is it possible, for example, to, I don't know, administrate epsidin or inhibit it or yes. there are obstacles? to Yes. This?
1: No, the problem to, uh, mm, I mean, epsidine is a very short half-life and it, it's a very complex molecule to be synthesized. It's very small, but with a, a lot of uh, disulfide bonds. But there are epsidin mimetics. There are mini epsidin. Epsidin mimetics, for example, or epsidine agonists uh, have been, uh, uh, are now in uh, clinical trials. And for example, for polycythemia vera patients, it has been demonstrated that a epsidin agonist is able to reduce the, um, uh, the phlebotomy requirement of these patients in order to correct erythrocytosis. But there are also ferroportin inhibitors. For example, vamifeport is one of, of the ferroportin inhibitors that have been recently uh, developed and uh, that have been demonstrated to be, uh, to be effective not only in beta-thalassemia, but also in sickle cell disease in preclinical models. So yes, we can uh, uh, somehow target directly epsidin or the target of epsidin that is ferroportin. That is open a wide range of opportunities. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was very... Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much.